Hello and welcome to episode number 116 of The Heart of Teaching. I'm Nathan Rivers, and today's episode is entitled, The Prof and I. Now, if you know anybody in the community that's making a difference, send us a DM on Instagram. We'll shout them out in an upcoming episode and explain their impact on the community. This week, we'd like to recognize Mr. Ben King from the Coquitlam School District and congratulate him on his new position as district principal for all the vocational trades in the district. Mr. King is truly the best at what he does. Thank you for all that you do, and congratulations. If you haven't done so already, be sure to follow us on Instagram. The link to do so is available in the episode description. The Heart of Teaching proudly supports Mom Stop the Harm. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome back to The Heart of Teaching. I'm Dave Ruzicki with my producer and great friend Nathan Rivers, and thanks for joining us today. In this episode, if you're a parent, you're a student, you're a teacher, or you're a prospective teacher that's thinking about going into this profession, you know, this is an episode that'll give you some great information, and it's related to what's being taught at the universities to student teachers. And I have an awesome conversation with Greg Sutherland. And Greg Sutherland's a professor at Simon Fraser University, and that's in British Columbia, Canada. And he works with and teaches student teachers in the Faculty of Education. Now we talk about education, new teachers, expectations, and requirements. Greg gives some great advice related to teaching and what young educators need to know about our profession moving forward. So as Nathan always says, sit back, relax, enjoy, and learn. Listen, thanks again for coming in Saturday morning. I didn't even ask you. You've got, uh, you've got a young family, don't you? Yeah, i got a six-year-old daughter. Okay. All right. So you're taking time away from the family on a Saturday morning. And again, I do appreciate it. So I thought, and I was really looking forward to this conversation, I thought it'd be so cool to have someone that teaches at the university and teaches young teachers and your perspective and what's being taught at the university. So how did you get there? How did you become a professor at uh, the university? And it's Simon Fraser you're at right now, correct? Correct, yeah. Okay, so what's yeah. your story? How did you get to that point? Um, okay, uh, well, you know, I guess the Coles Notes version is, um, you know, when I finished my undergraduate work, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I had, um, uh, I'd gone to work over in England uh, in a law firm. I, I thought I was going to practice law. And uh, I, that wasn't really for me, so I decided uh, to come back and do grad studies in, in literature. And I really kind of fell in love um, with the teaching while I was uh, working as a TA. So we'd have these small classes and we'd discuss literature. And I, I really liked the interaction with um, you know other people who were passionate about the same things that I was or trying to get people passionate about the things that I was passionate about. Um, I, from there, I um, started a PhD uh, in literature, and um, I thought, you know, I should probably get my teaching license while I'm at it. So, um, you know, if work dries up at the university, I can I can uh, teach as well. And I and I really fell in love with the teaching while I was doing my uh, my teacher training. Um, and I, I began to think, you know, hey, if what I really want to do is teach. You know, becoming a researcher so that I can teach doesn't make a lot. Wouldn't make a lot of sense. Right. And um, so I finished my PDP, uh, like my, my, my teaching credentialing, and uh, taught for about 
about 10 years, and then I kind of got the itch uh, to go back and uh, resume my studies. And uh, so I started a, I started a, a doctorate in education. I moved out of literature, and, and uh, that had kind of got by the wayside. So I started a doctorate in education. And um, while I was doing that, I, I went to work uh, in the teacher ed program uh, at SFU. And um, so that was, you know, I guess I started all that in about 2015. And so I've been um, sort of doing both. I worked as what was called a faculty associate in the teacher ed program. So yes. that was sort of, you know, <laughs> helping teachers get their credentialing. And then uh, I did that for about four years. And then the last uh, last few years, I've been working as a, you know, like a special instructor and lecturer uh, in the faculty of ed. So I teach largely students who kind of one day want to go into teacher education or some of them are just you know, students who are curious about what it is we do in education. So when you were getting your doctorate, was there a focus on your doctorate? I mean, I know, it was, yeah. what was the focus? Yeah, and so my, uh, my doctorate is in um, educational practice, so specifically in um, my, my dissertation was sort of an institutional ethnography looking at um, institutionalized social justice education. So how, how educators um, navigate spaces that they deem to be kind of political politically trepidatious um how do we how do teachers find that space like working to uh i guess change society uh for the better but also sort of not get themselves in hot water um which is continues to be attention um you know in and i think all educational systems yeah yeah so in a, in a sense, what you're doing is you're advocating for change and social justice and all, all the things that'll, you know, push things forward in society. Yeah, and, and, and how, um, I guess how the institutions allow for educators to do that kind of work was my focus. Yeah. Right, um, because ed- educations tend to have a, a, a fundamentally conservative bias. And um, and so how does, a, how does a teacher, you know, I mean, um, the system is set up so that you sort of rarely get in trouble for things that you don't do, um, but you're more likely to get in trouble for things that you do, uh, and, 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 and that's the way a lot of institutions work. And so if you're trying to you know, teach something that is deemed, um, sort of deemed political, yeah. um, you're more likely to get into trouble uh, or get yourself in hot water with parents or administrators or students than if you are teaching something that that is not deemed political. And, and as we know, you know, everything is political. Yes. Right. Um, Especially now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think if there's, if there's a big lesson sort of that has come out of the, uh, you know, the BLM movement or the hashtag me too, is that, um, you know, inaction is just as political as, as action, right. Or can be. Yes. Um, and, and so that, um, you know, a, a teacher choosing not to teach something political is just as political as a teacher choosing to do so. Um, but the system isn't really set up that way. Yeah, interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, we met because, and I wasn't even aware of this, but so you were in the teach, well, you are in the um, special ed department. So yeah. was that something that you had always planned to do? Because you're not a, I mean, you are a classroom teacher, obviously, but you work with a lot of kids that have got challenges and some of the kids are at risk. And uh, I mean, you do a great job in that room. I mean, I, I see the, the energy and what's happening. And, you know, I've always been an advocate for people that are, 
you know, passionate about kids, especially kids that have got challenges and stuff. How did you, how did you end up in that situation as opposed to being a classroom teacher? Uh, yeah, this is, this, this was my first year, um, in this position. Um, you know, really, uh, you know, uh, as you say, it's really important work. Um, and I really like having the opportunity to work elbow to elbow with students, um, in a way that you don't get to in a classroom of 30. Um, but for me, it's, um, you know, it's, uh, just seeking out change um, and finding a way to make myself a better teacher. Um, you know, like I explained, you know, <laughs> not that not that I've mastered classroom teaching or that, that it's even possible to master classroom teaching, um, but I, you know, I've been doing it for a long time, and I think I'm in my 16th year, 17th year, um, and so you know, sort of for me, about every five years or so, uh, five or six years, I like to. Uh, put myself in a in a position where I'm um, out of my wheelhouse, and where I can learn some new things, and it ultimately um, develops some new tools. And I felt like um, you know that working with um, you know identified students, um, students with learning complexities, that was something that I wasn't as good at as I wanted to be. Um, and so, you know, in five years' time, six years' time, uh, you know, I'll look on to what my next challenge is going to be good for you good for you always learning always trying to find more direction in our field and stuff not everyone you know what not everyone is comfortable doing that a lot of our colleagues you get um, you again you get comfortable with where you are what you're doing and yeah. um, you don't want to step out of your comfort zone right good for you for doing that no and, 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 and I think what makes that um, additionally challenging is Again, that institutional piece, like, um, you know, you get comfortable in your school. I remember I was teaching at a high school, uh, sort of my maybe two jobs, three jobs ago. Uh, I was teaching in, in an IB program, you know, at a school for about five years. And, you know, I was the department head. I had a, I had a you know, a room with an office uh, or um, with a view of the ocean. Um, you know, my reputation preceded me. Uh, and, and, you know, that kind of, um, that kind of institutional privilege, I guess you could call it, like, makes the job a lot easier yeah um, you know you're not fighting for space you've got all your material students know who you are you know they come in with expectations um and then to to move on to a building where you're you know you're a nobody they don't know who you are uh they're often disappointed to get you because they thought they were going to get someone else um you know they don't know you from adam and so to you know to to re uh to reestablish those relationships with the new community um, and to prove to yourself again, um, and to you know meet students who are you know a little bit different, like to come from like a different catchment. They they the school culture is a little bit different, but to be able to learn to be effective in a new context is really humbling, um, and it puts us in a position where we really need to um, to to you know not take sort of things for granted in our practice, and be willing to change some things in our practice when we move into a new context. Like I know. You know, you're teaching in a very different context than you were oh, yeah. uh, uh, previously. Yeah. And so, you know, like you, I'm sure you had to make adaptations to how you do business. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny when we talk, you're saying, you know, all of the things and I'm, I'm sitting back here and I'm kind of laughing and I'm thinking to myself, man, are you ever, have you ever are you ever right? And I mean, I, without bringing the, the story back to me, but I was in such a, a, a great space before I retired. I mean, everyone knew me. I'd walk to the hallways Kids would say good morning. Uh, had an biggest classroom in the school. Great relationship with the parents. 
And I thought, you know what, if, if I retire, but I come back and try something different, I'm able to reinvent myself. And, and yeah. it's just when I walked into the school that you and I are both teaching at, when I went to talk with the administrator, it was like I was a phantom in the hallway. I could walk through that hallway and not one student would say hello or even look at me. I was invisible. Yeah. And I thought, can I reinvent myself? And the interesting thing is, sometimes it's challenging, and, and you and I both know that, but it, it gave me, and I was shocked at my age, because I'm only 65, the, the sort of like the invigoration I got. Like, I was excited. Like, in September, I was jacked. I thought, this is going to be a real challenge for me. And I think that's healthy, right? You've described that. That's good for people to get out of their comfort zone, right? And reinvent themselves. understand why colleagues don't move um, because that's hard and it's um, it's frustrating to uh, you know be stuck out in a moldy portable somewhere uh, <laughs> you know or to not have the equipment you yeah, need fair enough or to have an awful schedule and these things that happen when you um, you know when you do move and, and 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 frankly it's a reminder of how kind of the underclass of teaching is, is treated all the time like this is how we treat new colleagues yeah um, fair enough uh, you know like like like, like as um, as policy almost, right? And, and the, the payoff is that sort of, you know, one day, um, new colleague, you'll be on the inside and you won't have to, you won't have to uh, um, go through this discomfort. Um, but to experience it at, at different points in your career, like, like you are, um, you know, very uh, far into your career, um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it gives you a different perspective, doesn't it? It does. It does. And for me personally, and that's good, I mean, I wasn't thinking, and you're right, there are young teachers who may be in positions where they do not have the the same, you know, same things as veteran teachers in place because they are new, and, and that doesn't seem fair, you know, honestly, but for me personally, it was, it was a good move, it was, it was healthy, and we never really stopped learning, right, like I've, I've reused some skills I thought I had passed me by, and then I've had to relearn some things and learn brand new, and it's uh, for me again it's healthy so hey gotta ask you you're working with young teachers what are you looking yep. for in some of the young teachers now that are coming to the university what are the, some of the what's some of the advice you're giving them when you've got young teachers who want to work in the classroom so what do you see and, and what kind of advice would you give them um, yeah that's a, that's a big question um, I mean I guess like there are, I mean, there are a lot of things that a lot of different people are looking for in these in in, in these um, contexts, right? Like there, you know, there's admission criteria varies from from you know um, teacher ed program to teacher ed program. Yeah. Some are sort of more holistic. Some are still based more on grades. Um, you know, volunteering continues to be um, uh, you know a big piece of it. Um, the program that I'm looking at actually, we we recently revamped our, our admissions criteria. One of the things that they're sort of doing a better job of honoring than they did in the past was, um, you know, looking at, looking at, you know, life experience, like varied life experience, like people who, you know, have had other careers, uh, and are looking for a kind of a later in life career change. Um, and, and, and you know what I like kind of as an aside, um, I've worked with so many people making these changes later in life and, and it's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so, um, impressed with the courage it takes to make a move like that and to sort of risk it all. Um, where people are, are successful in, you know, whatever, their computer programs or their realtors or their, you know, I, I, I worked with one guy who was, uh, you know, who was doing data analytics for uh, uh, sports teams. 
and um, extremely successful in that. And, and and to say, yeah, you know what, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna kind of start from scratch, and I'm gonna move into this thing that I always wanted to do. Wow. I'm gonna ta- I'm gonna take a year and a half off my life. Uh, I'm gonna pay tuition. I'm not gonna have income coming in in the same way. And um, I'm gonna really roll the dice on um, that I can get through this certification process. And it is a little bit of a gamble because you never know what it's gonna look like when you get in the classroom. And, and for some people, it's not for them. And so a lot of teacher ed programs, you know, sort of part of what it is, is kind of a process of, of I don't wanna say weeding out, but I, wanna, but I would say like helping potential candidates to, to recognize that it's maybe not a good fit for them. Are you uh, are you part of the the interviewing process for new candidates in teaching? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, like I've, I've <laughs> um, I'm part of the admissions process, and that's kind of a side gig. Um, yeah. You know, like we'll review applications. And the programs that I worked in, they don't really do interviews, um, and and they crunched a lot of numbers, and the interviews tend to not be good indicators. Really? Uh, yeah, and and, and and interestingly, like they've they've done a lot of different things to to determine, like you know, um, uh, like really crunch the numbers in terms of what the best indicators are, and then hilariously, do you know what continues to be the best indicator? No. GPA. No, don't say that. Statistically, it does. Um, and, and and it's funny as as educators, like everyone in the program is an educator, and uh, we kind of keep coming back to the, the fact and, and, and we don't want to think the GPA should be that important but it continues to be the best indicator of someone's future success really uh, in, in, in these programs um, and, and, and when you think about it it's not that surprising in some ways because it speaks to a level of commitment it speaks to work habit um, it speaks to maybe a kind of certain stability um, that people have so they can kind of do their work um, and, which is something that we need to you know lesson plan and to Wow. That kind of back end of teaching. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, like that, that's just sort of a, a, a statistical, a surprising statistical anomaly that, that came out when they began crunching numbers. Wow. Um, that's, I'll be honest with you, like I'm, I'm being completely candid. I'm, I, I'm concerned about that, like literally. Yeah. I, I, you know, and again, I'm not in academia with regard to the whole process. I've, I've lectured at the universities and, and things, and I've talked to young teachers. But I always think that you want to meet the person that's going to go into the field, you know, and have a discussion, you know, body language, you know, yeah. their passion, all of those things. But, yeah, that's surprising to me. So. Right. Um, and so 
um, you know, like uh, kind of seeing that, I, I, I began to wonder how um, how effective an interview would be. Um, but anyway, like I'm, I'm, I'm sort of talking about about these, uh, you know, what the, what the universities want in terms of what their criteria is, and then I mean, for me as somebody who's worked with now hundreds of of uh, teacher candidates uh, at this point in my career, um, you know, for me, like. What's the most? What are the most attractive qualities? Um, you know, I would say I would say humility. Uh, humility to me is just really um, the most sort of desirable, um, uh, you know, characteristic for a new teacher. Define that. What and, do you mean by humility? Like, give like, more context. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, just a willingness to. Um, um, wrong about things um, right. of, like a willingness to like to try something and have it not work uh, a willingness to, to let go of ideas um, and to you know like, like in, 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 and you and I know that in the classroom we have to do this all the time right like we have a class we have a practice we, you know, we want to try some instructional practice we give it a shot and it's not working yeah and so the ability to kind of go whoa this isn't working I need to change this now or this class is going to be a disaster and to be able to step back and to not blame the students and just to, you know, to, to like, just say like, okay, well, this didn't work today uh, for this group of kids. This doesn't mean I'm never going to try it again. Um, and so for a new teacher to be able to be sort of humble enough to, you know, to not be sure of something um, before they've met the students. Got it. Right? To, to, to not be sure of like how they want to change this building before they've even been in it. Um, to not be sure of, you know, like what, um, you know, what ought to be of value to the students before they've met the students. Um, you know, to not be sure of, you know, who, who has valuable things to teach them before they've met those people. Got it. And like, and, and, and so, I mean, I guess it's connected to an open-mindedness. Yeah. Um, but really like, you know, you know, again, like the most, the most successful, uh, candidates are always ones who, you know, are willing to, uh, you know, came in with beliefs. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have beliefs, and you, but we're willing to let go of those uh, in the face of the complexity of the classroom. Right. So what you're you base? Know? It's it's. I guess what you're saying is there. It's okay to be confident. I mean, you would, you would like them to be confident when they come into the classroom, but accept constructive criticism, be able to adapt and take advice, right, and direction. Yeah, and and and, and to recognize. Now, beyond like the taking feedback is it's huge and recognizing that it comes from a good place um, is, is a big deal but but to recognize that sort of in the moment um, that what they're doing um, you know maybe needs a tweak yeah or sometimes they need to step back like in the moment and to kind of have that that self-reflexivity and that humility of in the moment um, that, that you know they ought to change something or that it isn't working. Um, and to be able to pivot um, and make it work. Yeah, that's great advice. That's great. You know what? That's not, when you think about it, though, I mean, we're talking as educators and teachers, but in life, right? That's a, yeah. that's a quality everybody could benefit from. I mean, if you're in the corporate world, right? To, yeah. to be able to have those, that one single quality, of course, is, you know, that's how I think a lot of people would become successful if they were more humble and stuff. Okay, so you got humility. Good one. What else? Yeah. What else do you look for? <laughs> I'm throwing it right um, at you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, 
think most of what I would say are, 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 are probably variations of that. I mean, I mean obviously open-mindedness, like continuous, like, like, like a, a willingness to um, uh, continue learning. Right, yeah. um, and, and and maybe as I'm saying, like it occurs to me as, I, as I'm sharing these things with you, like what I'm really talking about is my own values, uh, you know, in terms of what what education ought to ought to instill, um, and and maybe the things that I like that I value in teaching, um, and, and 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 you know, like the, the the title of your podcast, I assume is a is a nod to, to Parker Palmer. Right, who who is who's sort of famous book, uh, um, uh, the art of teaching, right? Right. Um, and, and, and it, um, you know, one of the things that Palmer talks about uh, is that, you know, teaching is really uh, an exercise in being authentic, right? And like find, finding your authentic voice, um, and that you know, like, um, what works for you, Dave, you know, in in the classroom, might not work for me. Because it wouldn't be true to me. Correct. You know, like, and so, um, and so for, for, I guess for, for teachers who are, who are able to find their authentic voice, I think that that's a huge, that's a huge piece of it. Um, and, and it's a really, it's a really complex generative tension between what's authentic, um, like being authentic and being professional still. Like, how do we walk that line um, between like being ourselves but also being ourselves as teachers who are in a very particular role. Right? I, and, I agree, 100%. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah. I, if I'm not mistaken, so what, what you're basically saying is, I mean, we all teach differently. I mean, there's no, I mean, I mean, DNA-wise, everyone's different, right? So you no two people are the same. But I like what you said about your value system because the value system that you have, especially when you start talking about humility and we can get right into it and stuff. Those are all important values. I mean, you can be authentic and teach any way you want, but you need to have a core value system in place, right? Yeah. Core value system, and ultimately that's that that's the thing that is important when we're going to the profession. Yeah, good. I like the authentic thing. Um, and, 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 and I guess like this is like one of the courses, one of the courses uh, um, that I'm currently teaching is a, is a curriculum theory class. And um, you know, sort of one of the one of the things that we talk about, sort of day one, and we continue to talk about, is like, well, what's the purpose of education? Like, um, and it's funny, like we, you know, and, I mean, I mean, that sounds sounds like an asinine question, but I think a, a few, very few teachers bother to ask themselves that throughout their their uh, their career, and I think that often we 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 lose the forest through the trees, and so you know, teachers become so married to their curriculum, um, you know. They often don't really think about, well, wait a minute, what's the point of this? And is, it like, and, and is the point uh, for students to go out and get jobs? Or is the point for students to go out and live happy lives? Or you know, is the point for students to go and you know, move on to post-secondary? Uh, you know, or is the point, it's like, is the point for students to, you know, like, you know, like, like Ken Robinson talks about, like, to, to, to develop creative capacities? And, and, and like and, and, and I think and like obviously like how you know the curriculum has a lot of different values woven into it. Yeah. But how we choose to operationalize the curriculum is just about uh, it's just as much about our values, right? Like we bring our own values, and I think often we're not aware of the values that we're bringing um, to curriculum. Um, and, 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 and I guess I would contend that, you know, if we're not aware of the values that we're bringing to it, 
Um, that can be that can be dangerous sometimes. Yeah. We need to we need to be a little bit more critical of like what our what our own values are and what we're bringing to it. Yeah, I agree, and, it, and it's interesting too because when you look at curriculum, I mean, school obviously it's driven by the curriculum. These are the 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 points that you need to make in the classroom with regard to the course, but how do you incorporate the value system in the curriculum that you're teaching? Because it is so important, right? Yeah. It's so yeah, important. It, sorry, I, I, uh, I, I cut you off there. No, no, you didn't. Not at all. I would just said it is. I agree 100%. It is important, you know, when, yeah. when you're looking at curriculum and, and how you implement it and what, what the outcome is. Let me ask you, what do you think? What's your opinion on education? What do you think it's there for? I got a, just a point blank question to throw you on the spot. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, hey, hopefully, uh, I mean, I was just talking about how teachers should, uh, should ask themselves this. Um, I just said I teach a course in it, so hopefully I, I, I yeah, have an answer. that's why I'm asking um, you. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I guess I'll just preface my answer by saying that, like, like, um, you know, if, if, if you sort of trace the history of, of curriculum back, um, you know, like, you can see, if you look at our, like, at our, at our revised curriculum that we have in BC, you can kind of see where, Sort of these different, um, these different kind of streams of educational theory have kind of come into, um, um, like have come into the curriculum. And so, you know, I, I think it was I don't know Churchill or someone who said that you know a good compromise is when nobody's happy. And and so when you look at curricular documents, you often kind of see them as these sort of compromises of different kind of curricular streams, right? Right. Um, and and so, what do I think the purpose of education is? And you know, like I. In some ways, I kind of, you know, I kind of agree with uh, with John Dewey, and that, you know, I I think curriculum should, pre- should prepare students for their lives now, not um, not their lives later, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think a lot of the time as teachers, we 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 talk about sort of, you know, like, well, one day when you get in the real world, you'll need to be able to do this or you'll need to be able to do that. Um, you know, Dewey kind of points out that that, you know, school isn't for preparing kids for later. Um, you know, students ought to be pre- preparing them for, for, for their lives now. And school is part of their lives and ought to be part of their lives. And so, you know, like, I guess, like, for me, ideally, school should be a way, um, should give tools, students the tools to understand the world that they're in and to make connections between, um, you know, big ideas um, and their worlds. Yes. And so when they're, you know, when they're reading something or they're having a conversation with their peers or they're, um, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're watching a movie or, or playing a video game or, you know, experiencing something emotionally, that they have kind of a framework to apply to that to help them make sense of it. Yeah. And yeah. hopefully those frameworks kind of, you know, will continue throughout their lives and maybe be replaced by more complex ones when they, they do further school. Um, but ultimately, that it's not just kind of some days you're going to need to know this piece of information that we're giving you. Yeah, that's good advice, and I I agree. I, I agree with that 100. percent We have to. Often, what will will happen is we'll be so focused on the future that we lose sight of the present, right? And it's so Absolutely. important. It's so important. All right. So you've got young teachers. You're teaching them. You and I had a a great conversation it was yesterday but i did I actually stopped you know, i go i don't want to talk anymore about it because i said it's such good stuff you know i, I want to put it on the podcast and and uh, discuss that so i i've given you an instant we can talk about it here again um 
uh, and for some of the listeners that haven't listened to, I actually did a podcast on this specific event, but I'll shorten it down. Um, ran into a young teacher, uh, asked them if they'd like to coach and volunteer in a program that I was involved in. And they just got it in university and they said they weren't interested because they would much rather just work in the classroom and the merits of their teaching would uh, allow them an opportunity to get a job as opposed to volunteering and getting their name out there. And I said it was good to get their name out there. And they said they just weren't interested in that at this point, maybe next year or the year after that, but they would rather just focus in the classroom and not do anything else. What's your advice about volunteering and teachers that, uh, you know, are uh, going to, you know, have an opportunity to volunteer, but, but don't So talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's funny. Like, you know, like I've, I've worn enough hats uh, in these programs, right? Like I've, 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 you know, supported teachers on the school side, um, you know, at, at the university side, sort of as a, as a, as a, um, as a lecturer for them. Um, and so, you know, like, I guess, you know, at least in the program that I'm working in, sort of the, the institutional answer is, um, you know, like that's, you know, preparing students to do extracurriculars is outside the purview of the program. Like the purview of the program is, can you be successful, you know, in a classroom as a certified teacher, right? right? And so that's kind of the, 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 like the, the, that's the party line answer. And I understand that, right? And because I think in the old days, like when, at least when I did my student teaching, I know I, I had colleagues who, who, um, you were really overwhelmed trying to do everything when they were when they were student teaching. Like their 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 uh, supervisor in the school said, like, "Hey, you're coaching junior volleyball and you're running student council, and you you know have uh, you know you're prepping four different classes." Um, and you know, so I think the like at least the the rationale at the university was, you know, you know, is that a little much? And 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 can we should we be assessing student you know candidate extracurricular activity? Or is that outside the scope of our program? Right. Um, and ultimately, I think they decided that, that was outside the scope of their program. Okay. This being said, as like as a, as a teacher and as a colleague and as somebody who you know does try to get involved in school community, um, you know, I, I I would say um, absolutely uh, uh, get involved. Um, purely like, firstly, you know, as as you say, it's a nice way to to, to network with colleagues, but also it's. A, it, like and it's a nice way to show students that you care um, about them if you're willing to put your time uh, into um, you know into into an extracurricular, particularly one that you have a passion for and you can share that passion. Um, but but ultimately, it's a, it's an important way to connect with students um, and build relationships that you need that you're going to need when you're in the classroom. You know, and I think like I think I don't like to use the word leverage, but um, but I will, like, you know, we need to leverage our relationships with students to take them to new places sometimes. Uh, if you're really asking students to do something that's hard for them and where they're taking intellectual risks, um, sometimes you need to, you really need to, like, you know, draw on those strong relationships to get them to take those leaps and to make those intellectual, take those intellectual risks that are going to take them to the next level. Um, and, you know, those relationships that we build outside the classroom, um, you know, are are inextricable from the ones that we build inside the classroom. Yeah. Um, so to say that, like, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna focus on my work in the classroom. Um, you know, I think I, I think maybe underestimates the the value of building those relationships, um, particularly for those students who maybe aren't as strong in the classroom. Sometimes 
being able to see students shine in another light and 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 seeing them uh, in their element is going to give us an insight into that student that we could never get trying to you know teach them you know linear equations or irrational exponents or whatever it is that you know that the curriculum is telling uh, us we ought to be teaching them. You know, very well said. Very well said. <clears throat> Couldn't have said that any better than myself. This being said, like you know, like, like you know, the, I guess the thing that makes it complex is, um, uh, you know, being able to volunteer. Um, you know, and, and I, 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 I said this to you yesterday, but being able to volunteer does assume um, a level of privilege. Um, now, it's one, it's a privilege that I had. I was able to, like, you know, I, I put myself through university. I, you know, I worked at a, I worked at a grocery store. I worked at a, I worked at a bar. I did what I needed to do to pay my tuition. Right. Um, but I was all, I also managed to find some time to volunteer. Um, right. This being said, I didn't have dependence at that time. You know, I was mainly looking after myself. Um, and so some people may not have the time to volunteer. And, Fair and, and I feel like, I feel like we, we do need to honor that as well. Like, being able to volunteer means that you can work for free. Um, and not everyone is in that position, you know, financially or, or, or you know, where they are able to work for free or, yep. or, or has that time because they do have dependents at home. And, and, you know, I honor that too. Yeah. Having said that, I agree 100%. But, you know, the other reality, and you and I both know that, is so if there's an administrator in the building, he's also or she is also going to um, take a look at the the young teachers that are coming into the building that are are doing extra stuff right because that's part yeah. of the community as opposed to i mean it's a cold hard fact if, if they've got two instructors two young instructors that, that they're looking for and you know a, a female administrator is looking at that i will guarantee if everything is the same like everything is equitable both are, are very very good in the classroom the administrator is going to lean towards the one that may be coaching that volleyball team or taking on that student council, right? It, it's it is a way of no getting doubt. noticed, right? No doubt. Um, and 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 to think that that isn't the case is is naive, right? Like um, you know, sort of maybe in a perfect world, um, you know, and I remind, I remind you teachers of this, but you know, maybe in a perfect world, you you know, we'd all be judged constantly for for you know what's in what's in our hearts. Uh, but that's hard to see in these superficial interactions, right? And so sometimes, um, you know, and, and, and so I always tell new, new teachers to, you know, to, to dress the part, for instance. Um, and I know that's not sort of always popular these days. I but, like that. Um, but, 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 you know, like the truth of the matter is a lot of our, a lot of our interactions are superficial. Um, when we're in um, when we're in these roles, you know, you talk to someone for two minutes at the photocopier, or you pass someone in the halls, or you see someone in the assembly, and you know, people, um, you know, like like that, if that's all they have to go on, um, you know, that's what they're making their judgment based on, and it's not always it, it's not you know it it, it 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 shouldn't be that way, but it is unfortunately, uh, but yeah, but it is right, you know, and and um, because it's still it's still a workplace. Um, and you know, it's still, there's, you know, an expectation of kind of like professional conduct. And part of that is, um, you know, how we dress, um, you know, how, how, you know, I guess how we articulate ourselves in emails and in person, um, you know, and then, and I think over time we can get beyond that, but particularly when you're starting out, like just that you're making first impressions all the time and you want those first impressions, um, I think to be, um, uh, you know, to be positive, um, 
and, and, and you know, like, I'll, 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 like I'll share a story, which is like I, 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 one of the best student teachers I ever worked with, and I was working with, uh, I was working with her at the, like in the school. I was her school advisor, her school associate, and so she was in working in my classroom, and uh, she was outstanding, like funny, smart. We're still dear friends to this day. Um, the students loved her. She was so smart. Had a huge academic background but was able to make things accessible to students. She was creative with her lesson planning. She was fantastic. Um, and, and, you know, it was always professional, uh, but she had like, a, like she had a pretty extreme haircut. She was, she was, she was rocking her Chelsea, which is like kind of shaved head and like bangs in front. And, and you know, I, I had a number of colleagues ask me like, oh, hey, she's great. I really like her. What's with the haircut? Um, and, and, and to me, it wasn't a big deal. Like I didn't, you know, like I, I, I didn't really see her haircut as that, you know, as that outrageous, right. but I, I had a number of colleagues that asked and, 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 and I don't like, they didn't elaborate on, on, you know, on their judgment, but they pointed it out. Right. They were like, like it was, it was, it was interesting. Like it was, it stood out enough to them to mention it. Um, and, and that really kind of got me thinking that we, we don't have control over how people see us. Um, in these roles, like, uh, you know, like, so, you know, we should take control of the things that we can control the most, right? Uh, and I'm not telling, I'm not telling people who listen to this podcast, you know, don't have tattoos, don't have a, you know, don't have a, a, an eyebrow ring, whatever it is, be <clears throat> you, but be aware that, you know, people might misconstrue that. 100%. It, it's, it's, when you think about it, it's not really politically correct, when you say, you know, because you judge people by the quality of their character at all times, that's what you try and teach, but you don't get a second chance to make that first impression. And I, I hate to say it, but sometimes when you see someone that is perhaps underdressed or dressed differently, you know, the, the perception may not be a, a positive one. It's not right, but it's, I hate to say it, but it's, it's part of reality, right? And, yeah, and, 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 and ultimately, like, we want to be able to change these systems. Um, you know, that's the goal. Like, like, I want to be clear. Um, I would like to see a system where, um, you know, we, we, we can be more authentic in some ways. Um, but in order to change the system, we need to be a part of the systems, right? Like, you know, like it's very hard to change systems from the outside. Um, and so I, so I would say for new teachers, the advice I would give to new teachers starting out is like, you know, get yourself in the system and then begin to try to change it rather than, um, you know, rather than, uh, um, try to change it before you're in it, and, and and you know there are some things that are that are the way they are for a good reason, right? And like I didn't um, I didn't really understand that. Okay, so so um, I'll give you an example. Um, I was working with a teacher uh, a, a number of years ago, and they looked they looked very young. Right? They looked very young, and they used to always joke about how um, you know people thought they were a student, and um, and and and. And, and I pointed out a few times, I said, look, you know, that shouldn't be the case, right? If you're a teacher, people should know that you're a teacher. And sure, people in the classroom will know that you're a teacher. Um, but students in the hall need to know you're a teacher, too. Right. And, and, and sure enough, um, some, like, part of the way through, through their practica, um, there was a situation where, um, you know, I think it was like a fire drill or earthquake drill or whatever, and, or, or a lockdown drill. And they had to move students into their into their rooms, out of the hallways, and, and you know, into rooms. And so they're now dealing with students who don't know who they are. Um, and, and, and and they explained that there was like a there was, they had a lot of problems, like trying to interact with students who didn't recognize that they were a teacher. 
Um, right there, like they, they didn't know who they, they didn't know who they were, and so, um, uh, so it's funny. Like kind of like like part of these things that maybe like seem sort of old fashioned or, or, or you know um, you know in terms of how we define what professional dresses and these kinds of things like they 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 are important in terms of like having kind of symbolic power still vested in them, right? Like um, you know I wear a colored shirt. Uh, uh, to work every day, um, you know, I usually wear dress pants. I wear, you know, I usually, I'll sometimes wear a sports jacket. Um, and I and I started this when I was a younger teacher when I I, I I felt like I needed to make some professional distinction between my students and myself. Um, you know, beyond just the title. That's you know what that, and again, we're separating ourselves. I've I've got a couple of decades on you, and. Going back in the early 80s, I remember uh, uh, an administrator came into my classroom and uh, said to me, and I always dressed well in the classroom, and he said, collared shirt, son. He goes, dress pants. He says, be able to shine your shoes. He said, and he said, you look like one of the kids, but don't dress like one of the kids. I remember him saying that to me. He goes, you yeah. look, he, because I was young. I was about 25, and I had a young face at that time. Gosh knows. That's, that's gone. Um, but he, he said, he goes, you know, you look like one of the kids. He says, don't dress like one of the kids. And now people yeah. are going, well, that's old school. But you know what? That's actually right school, even today. So if you're a young teacher and you're going in, dress professionally, right? There needs to be some professional distance between you and the students. You can be their friends, but you need to, you need to dress professionally, right? So that yeah. there is that, that professional separation as well, right? No, that's great Absolutely. advice. Great advice. Thanks. Any challenges working with young teachers today in the 21st century? Yeah, you know what? That's a really good question. I would say, you know, you know, in speaking, you know, talking about our, our, our own um, our own assumptions or, or presuppositions, like going into the work when I was hired in this teacher ed program, I kind of thought you know, everyone in there is going to be is going to be you know, 22 years old, 23 years old. Um, you know, like you know, half living at home. Uh, you know, went right from from high school to um, to university to kind of teacher ed programs, and and you know, some were some were you know kind of what I imagined. But I was really like really quickly I I I, I was forced to check myself and recognize just how how complex young people's lives are right now, and you know things are so expensive. Um, you know, it, it, rent is outrageous. Tuition is outrageous. Um, to not work um, or to not be able to have a steady supply of income for, for a year or 18 months or however long, two years, however long your, your program is, is a huge ask. And so, you know, so much of, of the work that I, that I do, like, in, and, and I would include my, you know, my undergraduate students uh, in this, is helping young people to kind of negotiate the complexity of their lives. And recognizing that, like you know, these sort of, you know, these these uh, this kind of these hard line policies, like this assignment is due at this time or else, or I'm going to deduct a third of a mark per day, or whatever sort of you know used to be the case, at least when I was a student. Right. Um, that, that sort of doesn't work anymore. Um, you know, with with the complexity of, of people's lives, you know, people are, are 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 working, you know, working two jobs and going to school. Uh, people are changing careers and have you know have have, have kids or have dependents or um, you know like they, like 
people just have so much going on in some ways. And so that was really surprising to me. And so that was like, so like part of the job is like helping people navigate the classroom. Um, but I feel like a huge part of my work has been helping young teachers to, um, or prospective teachers to like navigate the world um, before they even get into the classroom um, or, or, or navigate the world while they're navigating the classroom. Wow. Um, because teaching, teaching takes so much time and it takes so much of our, our, our energy. And, and, um, and so to be able to kind of make space for that was something that, um, that was really kind of a surprise to me. Um, I had a, I, this is a few years ago, I had a, I had a student teacher who, you know, they were um, um, working, uh, working graveyard shifts uh, before they came to school. Um, so they would get off work, um, sleep in their truck for a few hours, um, and then and then come to class or go to their practicum placement. Um, you know, instead of shower at work, they get changed. And, and and one of the things that was and and, and and that sounds sort of untenable, but I gotta say, um, this uh, uh, this candidate was fantastic. He he he, he always brought it. He was like the most energetic. Uh, uh, you know, positive person you could you could imagine, um, and just and, and was involved in school community and everything else. But 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 they um, you know um, the situation was such that you know they had to work. Um, you know and and you know they weren't you know it was like a little bit later in life. I you know I think they were in their you know in their early thirties, maybe mid thirties. You know when when they were making this shift and you know they had done some other things. They had some dependents at home. And that was the only way they could do this, like move into this dream career of theirs, yeah. was to was to burn the candle at both ends. And I know that sounds, you know, people, for people listening, like that sounds like a sort of a recipe for burning out. And they didn't do it the whole time, right? They, I think they did it just just for one or two semesters. But you know, I just had so much admiration for the for the dedication and the commitment and the hard work that this person was willing to to, to put in to pursue their dream. Um, and I really, I kind of didn't anticipate, um, and then, and, and, and obviously, you know, somebody who's that busy, um, it sometimes required, um, some, some supports, right? Um, and I didn't anticipate the work, um, um, you know, being so much about that, helping young people navigate just how challenging the world is now, because, you know, um, when I did my student teaching, the world wasn't that challenging. Um, at least for me, it wasn't. Uh, you know, I did. I did work. I worked on the weekends. You know, I paid my own tuition, but um, you know, you know, it didn't cost three thousand dollars a month for uh, you know for an apartment. Uh, you know, um, it, you know, as it does now in 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 some places in the world, right? Yeah, it, it's interesting. I, it's refreshing to hear you say that because certainly, you know, when I went to university in the eighties, it was as old school as you're going to get. And there were challenges. I know I faced some challenges. I had some incredible instructors as well, but it was it was more hardline, right? And I'm thinking, to hear you say, you know, it's a much more humane way of working with young teachers. You're you're, you're counseling and educating, and that's so important, right? Because that's that actually sets the groundwork when you think about it, so that when they leave the university, they understand what it takes to be in the classroom. Because some of the things that you're working with them at the university they're going to take and use those skills to to help the kids in the classroom as well right so you're mentoring yeah. and, and carrying on no that's great 
that that yeah that's that makes me feel really good about what's happening at the schools success is there any one story of success that sticks out with you a teacher a young teacher that you've worked with or anything that you've been able to contribute to or i know I'm, again i'm just throwing something out yeah and asking um oh that's a um that's a tough one huh yeah i mean i mean i sort of there are so many right I'm right to, I'm right to, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of one that sort of sort of typifies um uh, uh that work um I'll give you time with that. That's all right. I, I, you know, I know that you would have had a lot of success. And just from what you're saying right now, everything that you've done with regard to working with those students, especially the young man that you just said, and helped them and got them to school, those are all success stories, right? Yeah. Those are all success stories. So, I mean, as you said, you could go on and on and on. Hey, we talked about something and um, we yesterday when we just sort of talked about the, the podcast today. But you had said something that was important that I agree with 100% as well. And you alluded to when you were talking about going to the, you know, you photocopier and you're doing stuff. You really don't know when you're seeing someone for the first time who they are. So it's like, remember my dad saying something that's so true. You don't get a second chance to, to, you know, make a first impression. But it's so true, isn't it? We had talked about that before, about the importance of, giving everyone that that positive vibe when you're there. Can you talk about that anymore at all or uh yeah, I mean just that just that, you know, like teaching, you know, like that like, like kind of six degrees of Kevin Bacon piece, right? Like, um teaching it's always like just a couple of couple of degrees, right? And 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 Dave, I mean we haven't really um we haven't really listed too many people we know to each other, but I'm sure it wouldn't take us long to uh right, right. Uh, to, to identify uh people that we that we both know, even though we came up in, in, in different districts and different systems, um, you know, it just, you know, teaching is, you know, there's a lot of connections uh, in teaching. And so that, um, and just to be aware of that when, when you're, when you're coming into it, right? Like somebody, um, you know, we have a code of ethics that, that governs how we, how we ought to talk to each other and talk about each other. But I guess like just making, making uh, prospective teachers aware that, um, you know, like, you know, you, 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 you don't get to go and gripe about your colleagues, uh, you know, when you're, when you're, when you when, when you're having a pint with someone on Friday afternoon, who's outside the system, right. um, because the walls have ears, you know, like people, people know each other. I mean, it, firstly, it's unethical to do so. Um, but it, it also, it's just like, it's such a tight knit, uh, community. And so, you know, and for good and bad. And so, you know, like sometimes you don't know, um, you know, you may have a really positive experience with someone and you don't know who they are. And it turns out that they are, you know, again, they're the, you know, director of human resources. Uh, <laughs> you know, right? you're leading me into this one, aren't you? Yes. It, yeah. It's, yeah. It, uh, but but it, it, it's, it's, it's totally true, right? Like, 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 you just don't know for good or bad who people are. And we were talking before about, about the sort of first impressions and those often very, like, unfair and superficial judgments that happen like in, in, in workplaces um, but the teaching isn't really like teaching isn't immune from them yes right? yeah and when I was laughing there people are going what's he talking about when you said the director of human resources in 15 seconds or less I'd gone for I talked about before but this is I mean you can't make this stuff up this is so funny so when I was volunteering at uh, the school I'm presently at last year and I was uh, teaching at a different school volunteering there and volunteering at this school 
I was doing the track. Two gentlemen uh, were walking around the track a couple days a week, right? And one of them came to me and apologized and said, hey, I'm sorry. I just about ran into one of your track athletes crossing the track. And I said, oh, you don't want to do that. I said, then you'd have to deal with me. And I started laughing, you know, teasing each other. And he asked me, he said, do you, uh, you enjoy working with the kids? I said, yeah, it's good. And I said, I'm at that high school across the street. And I said, but I, I did have an interview at the board office. I said, it's right beside it. He goes, oh, yeah. And I said, are you guys like retired teachers or anything? He goes, I'm the assistant superintendent. And the other guy looked at, looked at me and he goes, I'm the director of human resources. And I said, sure you are. And I said, I'm actually the superintendent of schools for this district. And they're looking at me and they're not laughing. They go, uh, Dave, we, we are. Actually, they didn't say Dave. They found my name out later, but it was quite funny. And, you know, I'm in the district, but the reality is I had no idea who they were. You know, and here I stumble upon the, you know, he asked me, do you like kids? I said, yeah, I wouldn't be here if I didn't, right? And he, yeah. you know, it was funny because he actually, when I got into the district, he was one of the people that came out to come and talk to me, congratulate me, you know? And you don't know who you're going to run into. The world is a small place, very yeah. small place. You're, you're, uh, people are walking around the track and they, and they happen to be, you know, two of the two of the five uh, most uh, influential people in the district, right? <laughs> it's, um, are you kidding it, me, right? I mean, I'm thinking this you is. You can't make that up, right? No, like it's like, are you serious? And they're looking at me. The guy starts. He goes, "No, no, we really are." And I said, "Yeah, I'm the superintendent." And then I, I looked and I, I said, are "You serious?" <laughs> he goes, "Yes, we are." So yeah, and that's good advice for everybody, right? If again, going back to my my parents. If you haven't got anything nice to say about someone, don't say anything at all and be aware of where you are in your space and time and all of that. So Yeah, totally. totally. Um, so you've got your thing up at SFU right now and you're taking time off of, um, you take, is it a leave of absence you've got right now then, Greg? Yeah. Yeah. And is that yeah, for... I'm taking, the, I'm taking the second semester off just to focus uh, on my work uh, at the university. And you're going to, are you thinking of coming back then um, yeah. in September? good for you you know what Greg I certainly appreciate you coming on today I know you're going to be successful I mean we had talked briefly about your role at the university but from this talk you know they're uh, they're very fortunate to have you and you'll be a, a great mentor no seriously I, I you know I wouldn't say that if I didn't mean that you do some thanks for having me oh it's been a pleasure and you know what the school will miss you but I, I think that you're going to do some great things for uh, for those kids at the school at the university and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you back in September. So listen, take care and thank you again. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Well, that wraps up this episode. And I'd like to thank Greg once again for some great information and advice related to university and what's been taught to those who aspire to become educators. There's lots to reflect on for all of us in the teaching profession. This is Dave Rizicki with Nathan Rivers. We'll be back in two weeks. Hopefully you will too. Thanks again for listening. We do appreciate it. So until then, please take care, be well, and as always, peace.